Uh, you probably still need the information on what Todd does, don't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Show prep is big here. Good day, everyone. This is another Beer and Loathing podcast. I'm not totally sure on what number this is because I'm a terrible employee, but welcome and enjoy. (laughs) This is a podcast where we hang out and I hate on man caves, but we always drink too much beer. So without further ado, I'm Pete M. in Grand Rapids, joined by Sam Sly in Denver, and Todd from Root Shoot Farming and Malting Company. Hey, Todd. Hello. How's it going, man? What are you drinking? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing good. I'm definitely peachy. All right. Excellent. It's hump day. I got a beer. I'm hoping everyone else has a beer kicking back. Yes. Indeed. Uh, wh- uh, what's everyone drinking? Yeah, what do you got going on, Todd? I have uh, one of my favorite beers. The It's brewed down at uh, Station 26. It's the King Creamsome. Uh, it's actually brewed with our malt, so, oh, so I have nice. a particular favor towards that. Uh, Sure. Really good. There's no bias there or anything. No, like no. <laughs> not a not a shameless that's, that's plug really for awesome. your own company already. Thirty exactly. seconds into the show. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. It's Station Twenty Six isn't far from my apartment. I've been meaning to go up there, and they uh, they were releasing like a I want to say it was a s'mores or some version of their Imperial Stout or something. Yeah, Dark Star, I think it is today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel bad that I wasn't able to go up there, but. I'll get there one of these days. Yeah, yeah. They make some really good stuff, so got to get in there. Yeah, I, I definitely yep. will. I tried some of their beers at uh, the Big Beers Festival uh, back in January, and that was my first time actually getting to try any of their stuff, and I was very, very pleased. Yep, yep. Pete, what Wayne are you? is a genius. So. What's that? I said Wayne, Wayne at, uh, is a genius down there. So Is Wayne the uh, brewer? Yeah, yep. Right on. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I would agree with you. Just based on the handful of beers I've had, he has knows what he's doing. Yep. Pete, uh, what's uh, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a Coors Banquet. Really? I was gonna say Black Label. <laughs> I haven't. There's not a place around me uh, that sells Black Label anymore. That's a shame. I know. I should really talk to my local beer store and be like, "Hey, man, can you just get Sixers of Black Label? I need them like two times a month." <laughs> just don't even have to get that many just enough to uh you know supply my fiend yeah exactly it's just it's my podcasting beer I, I feel like i'm in my element when i'm just slamming black labels yeah yeah course course banquet though is a definite step up like i feel really fancy when i'm drinking this compared to when i'm drinking black label on the podcast like like pinky out type stuff yeah <laughs> like i pour it into a tea glass man like i respect the beer <laughs> oh man i don't know why i actually thought about this recently for some reason do you remember when we talked your or not we you talked your local liquor store back in the day into uh buying pig's eye ice or something <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> we could review it for the blog originally <laughs> yes yes i do remember that uh man they were probably so mad that i fucking made them order that shit because they got way too much todd they got like cases of this stuff because it's really cheap but i was the only one buying it and i had only bought like one case just so so you had a a year supply of it then right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly 
Yeah, and I think like, that's sell the... it for really cheap, but no one's fucking buying it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have to avoid that liquor store for a while afterwards. <laughs> Just uh... yeah, yeah. I haven't been there in a few years, so I think it's all good. I don't <laughs> know if they remember my face or not. Yeah. Oh, they they probably got a picture of you somewhere. If this guy comes in, punch him in the dick. Cause... Exactly. <laughs> And then give him all of the leftover pig's eye they've had sitting there for the last five years. So you can I feel like that. I might get I feel like I might get waterboarded with pig's eye if I came back. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like a they just make you drink it all, you know. Yeah. Know yeah. Worse. Like finding a like finding a kid with a pack of cigarettes, sit, make him sit there and like drink the whole case. Yeah. I'm gonna watch you drink every single one of these. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Pete, I'm having a little taste of home with some two hearted. Oh, man, I'm even kind of jealous of that. I can go down and get it at the store at any time. Right. But it's not here, and I'm not drinking it. So, Yeah, so that's just too far. Yeah. I was actually, uh, uh, Todd and I were kind of talking a little bit before we got on, and uh, he's a skier, and I was just in Steamboat Springs for the weekend, like I told you, and he's going up there next weekend. But uh, there's a sweet burrito joint that we found really close to our the house we rented. And we went in there like on our way out of the city, basically, when we were leaving on Monday morning. And one of the, the chefs there was just a real talkative guy and we were shooting the breeze and I think he was giving me some, uh, some mental props cause I ordered the spiciest salsa on the menu and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm a badass. Don't worry about it. And <laughs> we, we started talking about where we're from and stuff. And apparently he's originally from Michigan over on the East side of the state. And, uh, he had two, he had an empty can and an empty bottle of two hearted sitting up on the ledge that I couldn't see. And oh, I looked damn. up and I'm like, dude, we're all we're all Western Michigan grads, man. We're all a bunch of Broncos here. We, you know, wheezed ourselves on that on that juice, and so all of a sudden we're best friends. He brought out like a a beer from the local brewery in a can, and like just split open a can and let us you know pass around at ten in the morning. <laughs> and, oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah, and then mean, he gave 10 us ten in the morning sounds rough, but <laughs> who am I kidding? That sounds fucking awesome. It, uh, yeah, it's no big deal. I wasn't driving. I was I was gonna you know take a nap there, two and a half hour ride home. So. Uh, then yeah. he gave us these homemade jalapeno, like cream cheese poppers that were wrapped in bacon, and mm. oh my god, it was quite, it was the greasiest thing I think I've ever eaten, but it was so awesome. So, what's the name of that place? Um, oh, I'd have to look at my debit card receipt. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Sam tracks his life. I'm pretty sure <laughs> looking at debit card receipts. <laughs> yeah, you know that's. I know it's on. I know it's on Ninth Street, just off of uh, the Main Street. Okay. As right. Azteca sure. Azteca Taqueria. Okay, sounds legit. It is, sure. man. Taqueria. <laughs> Azteca Taqueria. Oh man. Right. Apparently, they do one dollar PBRs all day as well. If you don't want to get the fancy stuff, so that's that was the other reason we went. We're like, huh, this place seems all right. Yeah. The burrito is that had walking distance of your house. It, it was of the house we rented in Steamboat. Oh, I thought this was in Denver. I forgot you were talking about Steamboat. My bad. It's all right. It was a kind of a convoluted part of the story, I suppose. I'm not. How <laughs> soon I forget? Not super clear, but uh, oh, I was gonna say the burrito had fried hash browns in it, like, like actual like chopped up McDonald's hash browns or something. It was, it was awesome, Todd. If you go there, I definitely say pay the extra fifty cents and get the hash browns. Okay, I'll do it. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to put that in my calendar for Sunday morning. <laughs> Marked. It's in there. 
Not no, changing no. it. That sounds like a car blast, and you'd have a heart attack after. So, I mean, that's like a winning combo. Yeah, yeah. It's it was a winning a winning burrito. Yep. All right. So, uh, Todd, tell us a little bit about root shoot malting. You know, you're kind of giving me the lowdown before we officially hit the air, so to speak. Um, you know, tell us kind of how you guys came to be there. It sounded like you started out farming beforehand and, um, you know, got into the uh, malting business with the grain and stuff. Yeah, that, that's correct. So, uh, give you just a brief history of the family, I guess. We, we, uh, the family moved to the Loveland area in uh, 1929, and that's actually where uh, I grew up on the same like farm homestead as that. Wow. Um, there's where I grew up, and then my grandparents' place, and my grandparents' place is where we actually ended up building the malt house. Um, been growing different crops. We've been growing corn, barley, wheat, and alfalfa. Uh, that's kind of our rotation of crops that we do. And then uh, we also <clears throat> we're growing barley for Coors uh, for quite a few years, for about 35 years. Um, wow. Holy then, shit. Yeah, so you're probably drinking some of our uh, malt over there. Nice well, cheers to that. Pete. <laughs> I knew Good this choice, I guess. Start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we totally prepped for this show. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, so, um, yeah, and then uh, once we started the all these uh, microbreweries started popping up in the area. We actually, there's a farmer group, it's called the Young Farmers, and they're actually just a bunch of old bastards these days. Um, <laughs> all, it, it, older than than they should be. They should be all retired. But anyways, we, we took a tour of uh, one of the microbreweries in the area, and we were just in their back room talking about the raw materials that they used to make beer, and uh, they were uh, showing us the malt and the hops and everything, and we just started asking them questions about the malt, and that was uh, really the first idea that we got. We're like, hey, well, we can grow barley. Why can't we uh, make malt? And then uh, that's really where we got the idea, and huh. took us about three years from that idea to actually get up and running and and uh, and get our operation uh, operational, I guess. And that happened in uh, August of uh, 2016. So. Wow. Here we are now. That's awesome. So it was uh, kind of the build-up time. It was kind of an infrastructure thing. Um, you know, you weren't necessarily equipped to just go from farming to malting. No, I no. I don't know if you guys familiar with malting at all. Not really. I can't uh, say that I am. Okay. All right. I'll just give you the lowdown, the gist of it. So Please basically do. what you do is you, um, you take your barley off the field and then you'll you'll clean it. You'll remove like any uh, residue, dirt, uh, extra plant material um, to make sure that you have nice clean kernels. And you want all the kernels to be um, very um, uniform and the same size. So you'll actually size those out so that they're all about the, the same size. And you just use like a, a shaker table and all the small kernels will fall down through and all the big kernels will stay. And those are the ones that you want to use to malt. So hmm. once you get all the barley clean, then you'll... Um, take it into the malt house and when you get it in the malt house you submerge it in water so basically you're just getting the water to become alive again so uh, you're, you want to germinate the barley is what you call it so you soak it in water for 24 hours it's about eight hours of immersion about uh, eight hours of dry time and then about eight hours of immersion again and then uh, from there, you transfer it into, or what we do, we transfer it into our, our germination and kiln combo. 
and then at that time it germinates in this vessel and we control the temperature of it. Um, we try to keep it around 60 degrees uh, and it germinates. So, and during germination, it's creating um, all the enzymes and things that you need to break down starch. So, ah, okay. that's where it all comes in. So, that's where your alcohol comes from in beer, is from the malt. Right. So, um, during that during that germination process, you can create different enzymes um, depending on what temperatures you use, and you can really kind of customize what the ending flavor is going to be through germination. But then the most important part is when you kiln it, like what kilning temperatures you use is uh, really going to give you the, the colors and the, um, they call it the Malliard reaction, which is just like making toast. You're going to get kind of different flavors from that by uh, having higher temperatures. So, yeah, that's just the, the basics of malting right there, I guess. In a, in a, in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I can't is, think of a that's really analogy. cool. Yeah. No. So um is yeah, so we ended up actually ordering some equipment from uh Germany cuz uh, at the time that we were looking to uh get into malting, nobody was really making anything uh to start malting on a small small size. Um so uh-huh. we they had to go to Germany and that's where we went to get our equipment. Um and it, and it's actually a, a large uh, drum malting is what it's called. So uh, it's a that's where the germination happens is in a long uh, long circular horizontal drum if that makes sense. So sure, yeah, yeah. yeah it's about thirty feet long and like eighteen wow. feet wide. So it's it's really big. Holy and, shit! Yeah, and we can we can malt about ten tons at a time, which uh, okay that's... sounds like a lot. But it's really not. So. Really? I was going to, yeah, that was going to be my next <laughs> question was if it held like a certain weight, but in 10 tons isn't a lot. Is that like not even a whole field or like, you know, I guess, is there like an acreage that it kind of like shakes down to or anything? Yeah, it shakes down to about three acres. Okay. Three acres per batch. So, wow. how okay. many acres total is your farm? Uh, we farm about 1,500 acres, um, but uh, we have the <laughs> rotation between. Fuck. Yeah, that's a lot, a lot of acres, especially in the such a suggested area that we live in. So <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that. Are, is a lot of that process automated, or you guys? I mean, I imagine the shaker like is a machine or anything, but like moving it from the different parts into you know the place where it's germinated into you know the kiln and stuff is is that like automated? Or are you guys you know moving a lot of stuff by hand, shovel or whatever? Uh-huh. We we are not actually moving anything by hand, which is fantastic. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're moving ten yeah, tons we, of grain, yeah, I think that'd be great. To not yeah, that's, that's awesome for you and your backs and your hands. Exactly. And... Yeah, that that's another reason why we went with this equipment. So yeah, we're like, uh, we've done enough labor on the farm. I don't need to do any more. So right. Um, so I want to go back to when you were saying that different temperatures produce different enzymes, which produce different flavors. What different temperatures produce what like what uh i guess what's the most common that you try to keep it you said 60 degrees i don't know if that's the most common but uh what flavors result from different temperatures that you hold the well i don't know you don't really get that many different flavors i guess with the different temperatures um during germination it's going to be more in, in kilning but um okay so kilning is where everything happens then where you get like dark roasted flavors and stuff like that yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, 
you you can control it a little bit in germination, but uh, I don't know. It gets complicated at that point. I mean, if, it depends on what type of malt you're trying to make. You can either make it grow faster so you don't create certain enzymes, or you can gr slow it down, which is usually what you want to do. You want to keep it nice and slow so it creates a... Uh, I guess you, you break down the, the beta-glucan, and it creates more alpha amylase, and it degrades the starches more, I guess. Actually, you don't want it to degrade the starches. You just want it to um, kind of release all those, make it friable, I guess, if you know what that, that means at all. Do you know? <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, the killing or like, uh, like in the, super, when you're like brewing in the mash, good. is that like a term for it breaking them down or something? Yeah, friability is basically just like how easy the kernel crushes. So oh. you're trying to, oh, okay. to make that kernel crushable, and and that's what the enzymes are doing inside that kernel while it's while it's germinating. So, gotcha, gotcha. If you, uh, okay. if, if you want a nice marketing slogan, you could try to use something like "crushable kernels make crushable beers." Root oh. Thing. I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just, yeah. that's where my brain goes when I hear shit like that. Same yeah. Point. Well, uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at at the very beginning of, of germination, it's uh it's called the chit, like a C H I T. Really. Um, yeah. So you can always be like, it's the chit. Yeah. Or this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this chit There's rocks. Kind of, yeah. You can do. I all swear kind of... it's not too chitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Double exactly. down on it and say this chit is the shit. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah so so anyways uh um i get in the kilning though i can go back to that as far as your flavors that go there you, you, normally your uh kilning at about oh between 120 to 130 degrees um when you hmm. uh, go through what they, they call is like the free drying phase so that's basically just removing all the moisture um uh, off of the outside of the kernel so that you can start drying the inside of it so You'll do that at a lower temperature to make sure that you don't damage any of those enzymes that you created through germination. Mm -hmm. um, so once you hit that phase, that's when you start ramping up the, uh, the, the temperatures a little bit higher, up to maybe like 160 degrees, 185, somewhere in there. Um, and then once you hit another point of 100 and, let's say, Let's say 180 degrees, then you'll be in the curing stage. And so in the curing stage is where you actually start getting all those darker colors and you actually get the Maillard reaction to happen. Okay. Um, and that's, that's where making toast, I guess, is what, is the best comparison. I mean, you can watch your toast turn colors in the, uh, in the toaster. I mean, that's basically what your malt's doing in the kiln there. Okay. Okay. Yep. Do you, do you guys have any sort of uh, – sorry, Sam, I just have to ask this because nope, I'm it. sort of a prepper. Um, <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys have any like um, – like what would happen, for instance, if you were had a lot of stuff in the kiln? Is, is it like electricity fed or is it uh, natural gas fed or uh, – It's actually propane, yeah. It's, yep. Okay, okay. So yeah. if you had some sort of power outage or anything, it wouldn't even – unless you have it like electrically automated – yeah, there's a it's it's all running off of computer, so yeah. Okay. We, yeah, we need. Have you ever had to deal with that? What's that? Have you ever had to deal with like a power loss or anything? Uh, we had. Kind of no. curious how it would. It would back. be a mess. It would not be good. So. <laughs> <laughs> so many fingers crossed, crossed uh, that, that doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. 
yeah. Wow. Yeah, we both said that at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We uh we need to have a generator backup as well. We need, but we don't have that wired in yet. But sure. it's on the list of things to do. Our, right our power's pretty uh reliable, I guess. Uh, can't remember the last time we lost power, but anything's possible. So what I'm hearing is right when up. the zombie or robot apocalypse happens, we need to yeah. get whatever power we can divert to you guys so we can still get the malt we need to make the beer we need to drink so we don't all go crazy exactly. in the apocalypse. Yeah, basically I'm just trying to like figure out the best courses of action, you know, when the apocalypse happens, zombie or whatever, so I can like go to your farm to get malt for my beer or yep. We'll be out in the middle. We'll be out in the sticks too in the country, so we'll have a clear line of sight on those suckers coming up on us. Mm-hmm. I'm sure yep. plenty of people have guns over in that part of the country, in that part of the That's part right. of the state. Right. So we'll yeah. be armed. We'll be armed. We'll have beer ingredients. <laughs> All right. We'll be set. We have nothing to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, this podcast is just a front for me to just get networked with people that have resources. <laughs> yeah. For the apocalypse. I'm just a prepper at heart. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta be ready. You never know what's gonna happen. So, so yeah. Todd, my question was gonna be, and this kind of goes along with Pete's, I think, a little bit. Is do you guys do mostly specialty grains, or do you do a lot of like two row base malt, or uh, um, do you guys have kind of like a specialty or anything that you do? Uh, we've been working on some. So I, I've made a, I can make a crystal malts in our uh, equip with our equipment so we've got a like a quick crystal 100 that we're making um also we have two different types of munichs like a munich um about five and then a munich like uh 10 or so and then also a vienna malt um my next adventure in malting is going to be a a melanoidin malt which is uh kind of like the the honey malt or um yeah or they just call it melanoidin which are kind of sweet and sour at the same time. They have a lot of flavor, but they also have some good color in them too. Interesting. So, I have not yeah. heard of that malt before, or at least I haven't seen it at the uh, homebrew store I go to. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. I don't know what brewers use it for, but I had a lot of people that are interested in it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good sign again, you know, that whole market demand thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So If you make it, we'll buy it is, is what they say. So. <laughs> All right, well. That's a verbal contract, sir. You're obligated not to buy <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. this. <laughs> so when you said you can make uh, crystal malts, is that a slightly, is there like a different part of the process or is it just, uh, I don't know, what, what makes it kind of, uh, you know, different, I guess? Um, so crystal malt is basically you're uh, crystallizing the inside of that kernel. So um, our system has the ability that during kilning to, recirculate the air completely so all the air is completely saturated so you're not losing any moisture at that point um and you bring the the temperature up to believe it's 150 degrees uh fahrenheit inside the kernel and it'll do go through uh sacrification okay so um that's basically turning the inside of that kernel to sugar and then once you do that, then you can start drying it back out. So that's what makes a crystal malt. That's why it's kind of shiny on the inside of it. Um, so yeah, that's fascinating because I I enjoy brewing with crystal malts. I if I see like in a like an IPA recipe that it's brewed with a lot of crystal, I I know it's going to be you know sweet and uh, I don't know. Usually have I, I just know I like them. And then I know brewers out there they're like I won't brew with crystal malts because whatever they're 
reasons are. I don't remember what they ever said, but uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, didn't realize it was a totally different process. I always kind of assumed it was a different grain altogether or something. I don't know what I ever thought. I probably never really thought about it because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a curious person apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I just put, I just put shit in my beer. I'm like, oh, that's that's what's supposed to go. That's what the recipe says. Don't ask why. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you liked it, so yeah, exactly. why, why why question it? Yeah, exactly. It's very visceral. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, very much that way. Well, that's awesome. So, uh, you mentioned you know before you you were drinking a beer that's got your grain in them. How many places are you kind of you know working with right now, um, in terms of you know selling your grain? Who's who's using your stuff? Who's using our stuff? Well, we were we're working with actually, um, I think about 30, 30 different people at the moment. Um, oh, wow. Uh, on just a, a small scale here in Colorado, and then we've got one guy in Montana uh, car, called uh, Carter's Brewing in Billings, Montana, um, that is, has used some of our malt. But um, kind of some of the people we're working with here locally are um, City Star, which is in Berthoud, um, High Hops, which is in Windsor, um, Zwei, which is up here in Fort Collins, and they make some German beers, and then some of the better known ones we've worked with Upslope a little bit, and then Oscar Blues we've been working with quite a lot, quite a lot. Um, oh, good. Yeah, and then some other people down in Denver too. Uh, our mutual friend and Grist. So, and then a few distilleries also. Uh, Elkins up in Estes Park. So we're slowly getting our name out there, and people are starting to trust our product. So um, I imagine there'll be more people on, on board here soon. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I I definitely love our mutual friend. I go there whenever I can, uh, and I've heard of, I definitely have heard of a little place like Oscar Blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool that you're getting into uh, distilleries. I went and took the Stranahan's tour, <clears throat> or went to one of their like Night of Barrels or some event uh, in July, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean they talked about the whiskey. I don't know much about whiskey. Period. But on the way out of the like event and stuff, I we bumped into one of their like like distiller, like one of their brewer guys, more or less. And he was kind of explaining how for Stranahan's at least, they actually brew like a seven percent lager, like a real just basic beer, and that's what ends up going into the still and gets distilled down into the whiskey. So I never realized they actually had like a whole brewing and fermenting then distilling operation that goes mm-hmm. into that. So that was kind of fascinating to learn. As far as distilleries go, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can a lot. Distilleries can. There's all kinds of different options you can use. You can either you can make that beer like you were saying, or you can just go directly into stilling it. So, well, yeah. I, I guess you have to mash it first. So, yeah. But, yeah, I think you still have to at least break down some of those, you know, starches and sugars and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You bet. Yeah, I guess you do have to make a beer before you do anything. So, I was wrong. <laughs> all- it's all right. We're, we're we're quite used to being wrong on this show, so don't don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. So, were you in like big into beer before you even got into the, like the malting and stuff, or uh, was it really that meeting you were just kind of there, like, hey, this is neat? Um, I was always into beer. I mean, I've been lived in Fort Collins for 16 years, so yeah, uh, we've got a few few uh, breweries that know what they're doing up here. So, one, or, one or two, um, I'd say, yeah. One or two. <laughs> so I've been drinking craft beer for, for many, many years. So um, maybe I never actually homebrewed uh, or anything like that, but uh, there was always an interest. I always liked to drink it, I guess. Yeah, you appreciated the end <laughs> result, right? 
Exactly. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, once we made that connection, though, as as far as how can I connect the farm to beer, it just made a whole lot of sense. So. <clears throat> yeah, that's. Yeah, it's always nice to have like those kind of epiphanies, right? It's uh, in a way you're probably kind of mixing hobby with with work there. You know, now you can go down yeah. and service these breweries and be kind of part of the process in a way you know i mean even though you're not necessarily getting your hands like right in the brewing or anything but you know your your ingredients are what's making that end result and that's that's like a nice little creation thing i don't know i i would feel very accomplished be like yeah i helped make yeah. that it's like the, it's like the kid in the shake and bake commercial i helped <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about that's because you're a baby pete you're not even 30 you're not 30 <laughs> right true. I'm 29. That's what I thought. I was like, it's close enough. I'm pretty sure I didn't screw up and not wish you a happy 30th this year. <laughs> I, I would have appreciated you for it, probably. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not totally sure. It's all downhill once you hit 30. So. It's all downhill once you hit 21. Like, there's not a cool thing that happens after that. It's like, cool, you can drink now. And then at 26, your insurance is gone. And then at 30, <laughs> you're dead. Well, you do have an ARP card to look forward to in like another 20 years. I'm not going to make 20 years, Sam. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, way, the way you treat your body. Ridden hard, put yeah. away wet. Exactly. It's all right. Wasn't Elvis who said, uh, live fast, die young, and leave a good-looking corpse? I thought that was Marilyn Monroe or Marilyn Manson, one of the two. One of the Marilyns? <laughs> no, I have no idea who said that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sounds like Marilyn Manson more than anything. I think yeah. Christian Slater said Elvis said it in a Quentin Tarantino movie, so that's that's what I'm going to go with as my citation. Okay. okay. Well, that's awesome. So six months you've been functional. Was uh, six months enough time to raise, like, you know, I guess an entire crop on the whole property, or was that, like, a partial crop? How much of, you know, your – you said 1,500 acres, right? Yeah. Yep. Fifteen hundred. So, but three hundred acres. So actually, in twenty fifteen, we planted about sixty acres, and we planted um, seven different barley varieties. So, wow. if you're not aware, there are multiple two row barley varieties. So, um, there's and there's also multiple six row barley varieties. So we we used um, some some barley varieties out of Canada, which would be like Metcalf and um, and Copeland, which are, were pretty pretty common in the brewing world, and then uh, we got some other barley varieties out of North Dakota, which would be Pinnacle, and um, and this and the six row Lacey, uh, and then also um, another couple two rows that we got out of a European company called Lima Grain. They actually have their headquarters in Fort Collins here, oh, nice. um, and that's kind of what we're going to focus on is yeah, these European barley varieties. Uh, they grow well for us, and then. Uh, they're interesting and they're different than what everybody else is making. So okay, get that differentiation cool. and stuff there. Yeah, yep. Trying to differentiate ourselves as much as possible. So throughout, uh, I mean, everything's going to have a different flavor the way it's malted. So and then sure. your equipment's going to add a different flavor because I mean, floor malting and drum malting and using salad in box that's all going to create different flavors throughout the malting process too. So. Lots of different variables that can go in to make your malt unique. That's yeah, that's cool. cool. Yeah, what's like the grow period for uh, you know some of these malts? I mean, is it 
months for, for barley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry for the barley. Yes. Yeah, it's about a uh, ninety days, I guess, is is how long it takes to grow crops. So we actually planted all our all our barley is uh, in the ground at this moment. Uh, it's not going to grow until we get some more moisture around here, but yeah. uh, we're waiting for it. And then it, it'll grow very slowly over the next few months, and it'll really start taking off in April. Um, and then we'll harvest uh, in uh, middle of July, late August, depending mm-hmm. on the weather. So, uh, yep. And then, yeah, I guess back to the, the acreage, we kind of got lost there. So we, we planted oh. 60 acres in 2015, and then uh, in 2016, this last year, we had about 300 acres, and we plan on doing another 300 acres this year. Okay, so, so you're slowly kind of ramping up to, <clears throat> excuse me, slowly ramping up to get to that whole 1,500? Oh, we'll never plant a whole 1,500. Oh, no. really? Okay. Yeah, because we got to have all our, our crop rotation. We try to rotate all those crops through to prevent disease and things. So uh, you, you want to do like a corn and then alfalfa and then like wheat after that or some some sort of rotation like that. Okay. So, okay. Helps keep the soil healthy as well. I vaguely remember learning about that in elementary school, I think. <laughs> I'm uh, sure. Rotation. <laughs> Yeah, right next to the alphabet. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's in Michigan. That's the big one. We do the alphabet, and then also we learn about how to grow stuff on in, in farms. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so. Yeah, cool, man. That's uh, that sounds intense. Are you? I mean, do you have like a couple of staff? Or are you uh, kind of the lone ranger at this place? Oh no, we have. Uh, my dad's involved, so it's family operation. Uh, okay. My, my my brother helps a little bit. He has a full time job, but he's been helping with the the malting side a little. Uh, and then we also have um, three full time employees that work at the farm, and then they kind of go back and forth to the malt house as well. And then during harvest time, we have some other neighbors that help out. Uh, but for the most part, it's about five of us, I guess, that are running the whole place. That's so, cool. Small mm-hmm. operation, but. Yeah, but we results. get a lot done. Yeah, yep, yep. Well, that um, explains, you know, in the summertime, if you're working, like you were saying before, we got on the air seven days a week and stuff. I guess if you got five folks, it's going to take a little extra <laughs> elbow grease to get everything yeah. going there. there. There's never, uh, there's always something to do, I guess. So you could you could spend every day and night throughout the summer working, but you got to just sleep at some point. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know. It, it seems like a common thread too. I mean, there's a couple of breweries I've been to and talked to, you know, their owners and, you know, they joke, I think one of them, it might've been black shirt. One of the guys there was joking about how uh, Thursday was his one day off in the week. And I just kind of was like, Oh man, that's uh that's brutal. <laughs> but going seven days and you know, it's, you know, it's a labor of love. You love what you're doing and, you know, making some good product out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the the winter's a lot better, like I was saying. So you just got to tough it out for about four months, and then you can relax yeah. a little. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Tough it out when it's yeah. hotter than hell out there. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, my neck is permanently red, so no matter how much... Uh, <laughs> red neck, no much, matter what people say, huh? Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of my buddies... Uh, totally unrelated but maybe empathetical note um my buddy uh used to own a farm like a wheat farm and they would bale or hay farm rather and they would bale hay 
in the summers, like the early summer or the late summer. I can't remember what it was. It's been so long ago, but uh, he would make a shitload of money over the summer doing this like every single day. And I would just help him out a couple of days a week. Um, but wow, God damn it. That was backbreaking work. I, I mean, I, I was on there for like two hours and I'd be dead for a couple of days. I don't know how much <laughs> automation you have or, or if you're, you know, you have to bust your ass every day. I mean, working seven days a week, regardless is going to be fucking <laughs> strenuous as hell. But, uh, yeah. I, I can't even imagine adding like a physical, uh, like a physically laborious task to that. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, like I said, we try to avoid uh, physical labor at all costs. But I mean, right? There's there's obviously uh, some stuff that you just always have to do. So sure, sure. Um, yeah, but it's we don't pick up hay's of, bales of hay though. That's uh, that's out count of your goddamn blessings. <laughs> count them. Yeah, I know. I've, I've done plenty of that in my day. So yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh. Builds character or something. I don't know. I was just curious. I, I, I just wanted the money. That's all. The, the two hours a week you helped build your character right now. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> totally. <laughs> the Pete, as we know him today before us, is is thank you to two hours of bail hauling a week for uh, several weeks. All right, good. It was definitely not defined by internet porn or drinking way too early. I can tell you that. <laughs> like the rest of us. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great well uh pete should we uh move into our loaded questions section here i feel like we've uh gotten no todd i think we're all feeling fairly comfortable we can start asking some more uh invasive questions i think sure todd <laughs> how do you feel about that all right i'm i'm good let's go for it all right <laughs> sweet I'm, so, good. I'm a little nervous but we'll see. <laughs> don't worry <laughs> i think after the first one you'll realize just how stupid this is and you know, it won't even matter but, uh, so this is the part of the show where for anyone that's new and listening or if uh, you know, you're just waking up and uh, remembered that you're listening, we like to ask some uh, <laughs> would-you-rather type questions. I ask straight-up would-you-rathers, and Pete has a lovely little segment called Good News, Bad News, where he delivers good news and bad news, and then decisions have to be made. Bum, bum, bum. Pete, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. So um, these these Sam, you said you had you're doing some old school ones, and I thought that that was a fantastic idea. So I took a couple of old ones that I haven't used in I don't know. I want to say like probably nine months. Sweet. So it's uh, and I still have one to send you if, if throwback you're, if you're ready so. to have a surprise um, thrown your way. I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally ready for that. Let's go. All right. So good news. You have tasted literally the best beer you have literally the best beer you have ever had. It is borderline orgasmic. The bad news is it's made with your best friend's tears and you have to make him or her cry every time you want a beer. How do you make your best friend cry to drink that beer? <laughs> oh, that's a tough question. Yeah. Um I suppose you uh you tell him his his parents died in a car crash or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just go right for the big one. <laughs> you gotta get you gotta get a lot of tears to get a beer, you know. So. <laughs> that's true. You don't there want to. There was that band out of the eighties, Tears for Beers. I'm pretty oh, sure God. they were called. <laughs> if the worst joke I've ever made on this show. I don't know. I want to start a band now called Tears for Beers and <laughs> somehow sing beer-related songs as dressed up like Tears for Fears. 
<laughs> it could be done. Yeah, I think absolutely it could be or, done. Another option would be uh, tickling, I suppose, and that would be the easier <laughs> option. <suppose>. Yes. Okay. <laughs> awesome. It's always it's always a test of someone's worth to to understand that you can make your best friend cry by laughing, and you have passed this test, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well done. It speaks volumes, really. This is a, a very philosophical question that I've come up with. It, it is actually. It's got layers to it, and I mm-hmm. don't even like it's using like that not- term "layers." That's stupid, but. It really does. Like a an onion or a gobstopper, one of the two. I I'd like to say gobstopper because I'm a. Uh, what's the positive thing? Um, optimist. There we go. You say it so much about yourself. You definitely remember what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm that real. One word with an O. I think. I don't. I don't know. I've heard it once. It sounds or twice. like optometrist. No, I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm real sharp today, guys. Don't worry about that. All right, so more of a just straight-up would-you-rather question, Todd. Would you rather listen to only Nickelback for a month straight or stay sober for a month? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, stay sober, I guess. <laughs> All right, <that's, laughs> winging it. I, I always assume our guests aren't Nickelback fans. I haven't had anyone yet be like, I'll listen to Nickelback all day always anyway, so... <laughs> now that I hear that question again, and I'd probably listen to Nickelback. You'd rather listen to Nickelback than stay sober? Yeah, I mean, is it like okay? So what are the what are the details on the question? Like, am I listening to Nickelback twenty four seven? Like, because I can tune music out pretty easily, or is it like being played through really nice headphones at a really loud volume? Like, uh, anytime you want to play music, it's going to be Nickelback. Or if you hear music, it's going to be Nickelback. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I could do I could do that for a month. I Basically, mean, the question I, I might not, but I, I mean, I I think I could do that. It's really just a stupid way of asking: Would you rather not listen to music for a month or not drink for a month? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair. Really, if I'm if I'm being honest, I've never really thought about this hard. But if I'm getting to the core of it, that's those are the options there. Because I just assume people would just be like, "Well, I'm going to drink and listen to Nickelback. I'm just not drinking, or I'm going to be so shitty I don't know it's Nickelback." <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, uh, do you want uh, to ask your next one? Or do you want me to send you the one I have queued up here? Um, I'm going to ask my next one. Okay. I, I actually want to save yours for last. Okay. That'd be nice. So, that works. The, uh, so on to the next one. Good news is you... <laughs> this is the good news. You wake <laughs> up from... <laughs> from an experimental surgery in a bathtub filled with ice with a side effect that will enable you to piss delicious beer brewed with all of the things that you have eaten for the past 24 hours. <laughs> the bad news is uh, it's extremely toxic, even the most tiny amounts to anyone else but yourself, so you're going to have to drink your own piss to enjoy this delicious beer. And you will do this. But I want to hear what you've eaten in the last 24 hours to make this this beer possible. Well, malt, of course. Um, <laughs> start with the okay, so that's here. a good start, honestly. Yeah, like, probably, probably milk, better than milk most and malt. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't think uh, I don't think eating a steak is gonna make beer taste good. Maybe it would. Maybe it's maybe. Let's go with a high protein steak. beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go with uh, steak, asparagus, and sweet corn. <laughs> asparagus. <laughs> 
<laughs> get the <laughs> get the aromatics. Not, yeah, yeah, probably not the best answer, but it, it has a, a unique smell. I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a super summery meal too. Like that. <laughs> that that just evokes summer in my mind. But yeah, that probably would taste like shit. <laughs> I don't know if it's a summery meal. Maybe it'll make a summery beer like a farmhouse or a saison. That would be really cool. Uh, it has a little bit of a steak profile to it. Yeah, a tiny bit of asparagus <laughs> <laughs> with hints of of cat piss from the asparagus, maybe. Uh, probably not a good answer, but that's no, what that's, I would eat. The, no, that's that's the only correct answer. All all <laughs> answers are good answers. Yeah, okay. the only right, correct, and good answer. All right, Sam. Actually, uh, I want to hear what you've eaten in the last 24 hours, and we'll see what kind of beer it makes. Oh, it's going to be awful. Uh, I had popcorn for breakfast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just off to an awesome start. <laughs> yeah. I had uh, tuna with onion, garlic, <laughs> onion and garlic powder, ground red pepper, a shitload of black pepper and all bunch of spices in it and olive oil and balsamic vinaigrette and basil triscuits for lunch. Two miniature Reese's peanut butter cups. And then for dinner, I had uh, basil fried rice with chicken and Vietnamese egg rolls. That is going to be the worst beer. Yep. Yep. That beer is going to be an literally the worst beer in the world. But you said in your question, it's the most delicious beer. I'm going to have to change it. I just want to hear what people have eaten over the past 24 hours at this point. <laughs> well, hey, I'm the only one that can so drink it. Call it. This is, this, is going to be a, this is going to be the new good news, bad news for the next episode. What would you call that beer? What would Todd, I call that beer? Call what would I call the beer? That's, that's tough. I'd call mine the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> that's decent. It's also a good cartoon. This name. Oh, I would call it "Smells Like What." Smells like. Smells like what? Which doesn't make any sense, but that's good. No, I like it. I like it. Pete, what's your? What have you had in the last twenty-four hours? What would your beer turn out like? Oh God, dude! I've had tacos. Uh, I had some yogurt this morning. I've had like probably six hard-boiled eggs over the past 24 hours. Uh, <laughs> Your beer's going to smell like a nice eggy fart. It would be the most methane beer anyone has ever drank. It would just be atrocious. I would like to point out that you at least ate yogurt, so you have some sort of like culture to ferment this beer. From yeah, a... there's like a, at least a hint of probiotics oh! in it. Oh, man, my dog's up here. Hey, Jack. What's up, Jack? <laughs> Can you he has, hear him yelling in the background? Yeah, he has a beautiful singing voice. <laughs> hey, Happy Howls. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Jack's, Jack's first official appearance on the show. I'm, I'm honored. I am too. Welcome to the show, Jack. <laughs> what, else you got, what else you got to say, Jack? He's just huffing and puffing and walking around really curiously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh... <laughs> Even Jack more, doesn't Jack. like my jokes. What the hell, Jack? <laughs> he hates them. <laughs> so for uh, my next question, Todd, do you uh, drink coffee by chance? I do. All right. Would you rather give up beer or give up coffee? 
coffee for sure. Oh my god. That's man. easy. Yeah. All right. All right. Some some people some people that's a that's a really mean question. So I always <laughs> I like to keep keep that in the repertoire every now and then. I myself don't drink coffee, so this question doesn't even apply to me. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that one's always a tough one for me because because I like absolutely need coffee in the mornings, but I don't like to not drink beer. <laughs> I like how you rephrase it so you you need coffee like an addict, but you don't need beer, so you're not an alcoholic. No, I can take it or leave it, but I don't like to not have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that makes sense. All right, Pete, I'm going to Skype you this good news, bad news. Okay. So... Uh... Hopefully that shows up. All right, there we go. The uh, the good news is you can consume beer without feeling the effects of alcohol. The bad news is anytime you drink a beer above five percent, the next shit you take feels like you're giving birth. How often will you be drinking heavy craft beers, and what would make your regular go-to drinker below the threshold? Oh. You might you might have to repeat the question. Let's. There's a lot of information. <laughs> I'm not getting that last line. Am I just emphasizing on the wrong word? Maybe. Read it again. I I understood it, but I also wrote it, so I'm probably just hearing it. <laughs> okay. The good news is you can consume beer without feeling the effects of alcohol. Okay. Well, that's not good news, dude. That's terrible. Why is that? Not, I don't know. That could be good news. If you want to go out and get you shitty just, and then drive want... home, I don't know. <laughs> Right. Uh, I clearly have an alcoholic means... that dreams about the days where I can drive home without having to worry about it. <laughs> the uh, bad news is anytime you drink a beer above 5%, the next shit you take feels like you're giving birth. How often will you be drinking heavy craft beers, and what would you make your regular go-to drinker below the threshold? So, Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. so what would you would... Okay, so any... Well, yeah, would you... you you'd still have to drink beer, but it would have to be something below 5%. Yeah. I figured everyone would have like a go-to that's below that 5% that like, so, you know, they could still drink and I catch a buzz and not have to feel like they're shitting a baby out. Yeah. Right. It would be uh, Oscar blues pinner is what I'd go for. Oh man. That stuff's so good. It is. You can't go wrong with that. Would you uh, give it up? Would you give up like heavy beer completely or would you still maybe, uh, you know, every probably- now and then? I probably have to, you know. You're gonna have a shit like that anyways, so you might as well. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has one like that. Well, you might as well tough it out every once in a while. Mine so after I drinking beer better... are the exact opposite. It's a liquid. It's it's that dead baby joke that where it goes in a blender basically. But um, tiss. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the good news is you can consume beer without have uh you know with maybe only should... the the effects of alcohol like me like maybe if you took all like the calories out of it or something maybe that'll be a better way of wording it yes see this is why you... i don't want to drink beer without feeling the effects of alcohol i mean that's <laughs> fine then pete do be that way <laughs> I mean, you are the you are the good news, bad news question expert, so I, I take this as as positive feedback. Yeah, this was my review and critique of your question. Thank you very much for submitting it, Samuel. You're, you're reviewing, <laughs> my review and critique of your question, Samuel, is that it sucks. Please do not ever submit a question here ever again. 
It's got a B minus. It needs some improvement, but hey. overall, it's got some good structure. B minuses yeah. get degrees, baby. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you could uh, also move to Utah, and then you'd be set. <laughs> you can drink whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, that's also there you go. true. Is Answer there a limit? Five percent. Three two, I think, is a limit for most yeah, of the beer. Too. Yeah. Oh wow. But then again, you'll have to live in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got some beautiful scenery, but you got some shit beer. At least uh, yeah. you'll, you'll have the uh, winners to go skiing. That'll be good. Yeah. Could be worse. There could be they worse places. Could, could... gun laws so you can, you know, shoot yourself or something, too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, it's, you know, it could be worse. You could be forced to move to Arkansas or something. Arkansas. Do you know it's? you can actually get fined for saying Arkansas still? Shut up, really? Yeah, it's one of those weird state laws that's not enforced, but could be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go to Arkansas and try to be the first guy to get ticketed or fined for calling it Arkansas in 150 years. You might achieve that. I bet you I could pull it off. You know how the law loves me. Maybe we could turn Beer and Loathing into like a Kenny versus Spenny type thing where we try to get arrested for the most amount of crimes or like see how many crimes we commit, get like can a, commit. Make a crime tab. Yeah. Yeah. Just put on my crime tab, officer. I'm going to make a night of this. <laughs> that is a thing, officer. <laughs> I swear to God. Just just talk to my show producer. He'll confirm this. <laughs> I'm only high on mescaline, I swear. <laughs> Did I say mescaline or meth? Methamphetamine. Methylene. Methylene. All right. Let's do uh, one more. I have one more good, or not good news, bad news. I have one more would you rather. Would you rather, Todd, go blind or only drink Bud Light for the rest of your life? <sighs> Man. I don't know. I, I think I'd have to drink Bud Light, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Vision's kind of key to your job, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. Did you, uh, did you put that, uh, that barley in the, in the kiln? Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, where the hell's the dog? I don't know. Where the hell's the kill? <laughs> That's actually the dog's mouth. Yeah. Pete, I don't know if I ever asked you this. I'm assuming you'd go for the Bud Light, right? Yes, I would immediately. I probably would yeah. too. I like yeah. I like my vision. My like... my hearing's going bad already. I can't lose my eyesight. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, on the on a on a plus side, if your hearing's already going to shit and your eyes are gone, you might taste really well or feel really well. That is true. That is or be true. able to smell really disgusting shit from fifteen miles away. Or <laughs> if I had to smell my own farts with enhanced smelling, I don't think I would be cool with that. <laughs> it's not good. So. On that note, farting. Yeah, I think fart jokes <laughs> should always be the closer for the show. Yeah, if it's going to stink, let's end it with a stinker, you know? Oh, wow, dude. I know. Just taking it <laughs> down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Stop. Stop it. Stop talking. Well, Todd, thanks for putting up with us and, and coming on the show. Um, yeah, thanks, Todd. How can I... Yeah, uh, what was that? I said no worries. It was fun. It was a good time. Right on. Uh, do you got, uh, you know, off the top of your head, like your social media stuff where people can kind of follow along with you guys? I know you got like Instagram and uh, Twitter and stuff. 
Yeah, if you just look up uh, Root Shoot Malting, um, it's either RootShootMalting.com or then we're just on Facebook, Instagram, a little bit of Twitter, not so much, but uh, yeah, just check well, us out. Well, you have a few new followers, Sam and I at the very least. Exactly. Yeah. All right. You see, uh, uh, we're gonna go sky- it's going to go skyrocketing. We're going to have so many likes on Facebook now. Can't oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All because Harry Drunk Guy followed you on Twitter. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've followed anybody using Harry Trunk that yet. I'm actually really disappointed in myself. I'm pretty sure I've tagged you about a hundred times in that and have gotten no response, so I gave up. <laughs> yeah, that's... Thanks for listening to the Beer and Loathing Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all using Beer and Loathing. You can also find us on uh, YouTube with uh, the handle Tune In Get Drunk. So fucking tune in and get drunk, whatever medium you use. Just make sure to keep up with us. Have a good night. Thank you, Dan Lathers. We could fit, you know, a handful. Hold on, I'm sorry. God damn it, spaghetti. No. Hey, stop eating plants. No.